This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Shirts for the Scene. Head over to thepopgoproject.com and you can purchase your favorite band tee. It is no secret that 2020 has sucked a big fat one, right? Artists and musicians have had to cancel almost all of the shows, which has really hurt them financially. Grab a shirt, support a band. The proceeds of each sale go right to the bands whose shirt you are buying. Once again, head over to thepopgoproject.com and grab your shirt today. Shirts for the Scene is made possible by Axelrad Screen Printing. Visit them at axelradarmy.com. My guest today is one of the founders of the Pittston Ketchup Company in Pittston, Pennsylvania. We talk about how the company got its name, the process of starting a business, why Pittston, what the future holds for the company, and how they'd like to have a positive impact on Northeastern Pennsylvania outside of just making ketchup. Welcome to the show, Amos Valenti. Yeah, man. What's going on? Happy holidays. Yeah, just uh, just got done with Christmas, you know, uh, feeling pretty good. It's a uh, fire season. We have a fireplace. So um, I love burning fires in the house. That's probably one of my favorite things to do in the winter, you know? Yeah, man. My uh, When I was younger, we had a fireplace at my, my parents' house. And what I didn't like about it was I had to go out with my dad and cut down trees in the, the woods and then sure. load the truck. Uh, bring it home, unload the truck, uh, split it, and then stack it. <laughs> no, I, you know, um, well, the tr- what I'm bringing now, it's actually a tree that we did cut down when we bought our house. Uh, we had to, it was dying, we didn't want to, but turned out to be some beautiful wood. But for the most part, I go full America. I just buy it already split. Um, I don't go and chop them down. Um, although I do like to cut trees down in the right format, you know. Sure, sure. Uh, you know. So that's pretty much it, you know. And then on Christmas, um, we make raviolis. That's our uh, that's our our thing, you know. We usually we do it with my whole family. Uh, we brought my nephew over, um, but we didn't uh, have my parents, my brother there, or, or the whole gang this year. But it was still great. We still made a ton of ravioli and ate them up. So that's pretty much all I've been doing: uh, eating raviolis, burning fires. I was enjoying <laughs> the snow. You know, yeah, I was. It was kind of sad that we didn't have a white Christmas. I don't know where uh, where you are, but uh, I'm in Forty was... Fort, so you know there were some flurries. Um, so I, I don't know what actually qualifies for a white Christmas. It need to snow, like specifically we... on Christmas. I think we had a white Christmas a few years ago where it actually snowed on Christmas. But well, I uh, thought for sure with that that snowstorm, I'm like, oh, we have a foot of snow out there. We'll be good for Christmas, and then it decided to warm up and rain. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, the, hopefully, all the skiers got their four or five runs in for the year, you know, because that that's probably it. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what the ski slopes look like. I don't ski. I have skis. I've gone before, and um, my all my friends ski, you know. So they're uh, they're so excited for this, and then that was it. Like you said, fifteen raining now. So yeah. I mean, I'm not a big fan of winter in general or the no. cold. So I mean, this is okay for me. I love it. Do you? Yeah. I do. Yeah. I don't know. I just love it. Yeah. Well, so um, is your partner joining or is it just you? No, no. It's just going to be me tonight. Um, there's actually three of us. Well, really four of us, but three of us that make up the actual core of, you know, say pits and ketchup. But we have, there's four of us basically um, who 
do the cooking, you know, all the manufacturing process and stuff like that. And Erin, actually, she designed our, um, our logo, our first logo and stuff. She's a creative director. She works at Penn Foster. Um, so it's kind of in her purview, you sure. know, so we have, uh, um, there's a whole group of us. We have someone who does our social media for us, Ange Greco. Um, You're answering all my questions that I had to ask you. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's pretty much it, man. You know, thanks for having me on. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I started this podcast. I mean, a little background on me for you. Uh, obviously, this just shows about you and what you have going on. But um, this is the first time we've ever actually corresponded. Um, uh, yeah, I've it's been, funny, too, because we're all in... There's like a you know, the Wyoming Valley circles and a lot of our circles overlap. You know, we know a lot of the same people in different, in different ways. You know, and I've known you since you were at the weekender when it was like, oh, okay. uh, uh, at least, you know, I've known of your name and, and knew of you as a, a person around here, you know, since the weekender was the weekender, you know, when we were 21, right. You know, tw- you know what I mean? When it was a lot uh, bigger and there's a lot more bands and a lot more bars and, different things going on like that so yeah before I'm social media we've never we've never met yeah you know in real life yeah well i mean uh, then i won't get into my background since you, <laughs> you know it already but uh no no you know I, I know i know that but but that was it you know you only know what you know of a person as you see them and it was like a small little picture you know like uh yeah. where you would just see your head basically in that thing there you know and uh, a couple other things and but that was it. So I always knew that, you know, you're in, involved in music and local music and things like that um, into that, you know, scene and stuff. And I know a lot of guys, uh, local musicians, as it were, um, you know, in the area and stuff like that. Um, and my tie-in was the restaurants. I've always worked in restaurants, you know, and, um, you know, the Weekender, you had the music, but it was always at a venue of some sort, you know, right. so kind of like tied in food service, you know, so I would see a lot of these guys, you know, after they were playing or whatever, you know, so that was kind of like my tie into the weekend or at least like being on the restaurant side, you know, so um, yeah, it was cool, you know. So as far as restaurants go, what what is your background here um, in Northeastern Pennsylvania? Well, um, it was funny. I started actually at Denti's catering in Pittston when I was 14. Uh, busting tables and uh and stuff like that and i actually learned a, a good deal um there just in, in the mise en place right uh you know just about setting stuff up and you know being prepared and washing dishes and like the the real grunt work of it you know when you're 14 they make you do all the worst stuff yeah um and then i worked at the wesley village in the dietary uh kitchen for a couple of years you know through high school and stuff like that um and then when i got out of high school i got a job at tgi fridays and that was like the job that totally changed restaurants for me as far as just being like you know something um and I, you know because it was completely different than anything i was ever used to you know i went to a small school for high school and grade school so i never really knew anyone other than than people who are just like myself you know like regular people uh uh, for the area for Pittston. So that means just like regular white guys, just like me, you know, which is all well and good. And then here I was working at Fridays next to, you know, guys on work release, you know, next to drag queens, next to gay people. I didn't know any gay people. You know, it was like this, you know, 
um, microcosm yeah. of people in an area and they all existed in this one place at TJ Fridays. And I was like ready for it. I was ready to, um, you know, and it was great. It totally changed. Uh, it, it changed how I looked at restaurants. And then from there, um, I worked at the arena bar and grill for a tiny portion when they had their original location where emeralds used to be, um, by pet supplies plus in Wilkes-Barre. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That was yeah, a great there was a spot. place there. It was called, it was like some other like club afterwards and it was like two clubs and it burned down, I think. Yeah. Um, it was chicken coop after I think. And then, okay. um, yeah, some kind of nightclub. I forget what it was called, though. Yeah, and then it burned down. Yeah, and then it burned down. Um, and then I worked at Kazimi's. I don't know if you remember Kazimi's or Alante's used to be. Yeah, yeah. Um, Jelpia's um, was where Kevin's is currently. Right, right. You know, so uh, stuff like that. So I've always worked in restaurants and food service in some capacity, you know, so that's... Uh, um, that's what I did in the area here. Oh, know. cool. And construction. I always did construction. So, you know, it's like, uh, it's crazy. So I'm just surprised we never met, you know, it's, it's uh, being so such of a small place, you know, it's like, where, where did you grow up? Uh, well, I grew up in uh, Humlock Creek, which I went to school at okay. Lake Lehman. Um, and then when I finished high school, uh, I went to King's College and I moved out into an apartment in Kingston. Um, nice. And then I lived in Wilkes-Barre and then, um, back to the Kingston area. And then now I'm in Duryea, which has kind of why I wanted to reach out to you, not only because oh, cool. I'm doing this, but also because you're kind of uh, a big part of, um, you know, you know Duryea is close to Pittston. So I was kind of like, yeah, you know what? I would love to talk to those guys and, and see sure. how, how it all started. You know, I, I really, um, and I've been in sales for man, um, like 13 years now. So I'm like just genuinely curious. I like to learn people's stories and uh, I would love to learn more about yours. So, um, you know, obviously you're from here, I, I guess, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, yeah, I grew up in Pittston and uh, um, it kind of all started. Uh, we actually, like the idea of Pittston Ketchup came from, uh, we were out West, Aaron and I, Aaron is my wife, by the way, we got married in October, 2020. Oh, um, really? Congrats. Yeah. yeah, thanks, man. COVID wedding, huh? At the 44 meeting house. Yeah. We'll little plug in for the venue there. It's uh, <laughs> in the cemetery there. It's a really nice venue. Um, but uh, we were actually in Astoria, Oregon, where they filmed the Goonies. And um, we were at a restaurant and ordered some French fries. And the gal brought over some ketchup. And we tried the ketchup. And it was like nothing we ever had before. It was... Um, I said, wow, what is this? It's, uh, it's really delicious. I said, oh, this is uh, Portland ketchup. They make it in Portland, of course. Like Portland has four ketchup companies, you know? Um, so I just said it out loud. I said, the Pittston Ketchup Company. Um, just because, the, you know, everything out there, uh, we went and visited friends in Seattle who lived in a small town called Ballard, which is basically in the city. It's like right outside the city. But everything was like, you know, Ballard mattress shop, Ballard you know, wash your clothes place. Everything was like very name specific for the town. And each little town outside of the city has like their own really strong identity. And um, kind of like here, you know, where it's like 
people from Pittston are from Pittston, you know, people from Wilkes-Barre, they're from Wilkes-Barre, but even Wilkes-Barre is broken down into, are you from North Wilkes-Barre, you're from South Wilkes-Barre, you know, did you grow up over here, you know, on the hill, I forget even what they call that, like up by Giants of Spare, uh, that whole area up there, sorry, Wilkes-Barre people, but <laughs> the idea is, you know, it was like, uh, I said, the Pittston Ketchup Company, and Aaron was like, oh my God. Because like I'm an ideas man, so it'll be like every other day I'll say something completely ridiculous yeah. and say like we should do this, and it's like oh man, you gotta slow down a little bit. Yeah. So I text Corey Golden, who was the first guy, and we went to high school together. I just said the Pittston Ketchup Company. He's like I'm in. <laughs> um. So like it didn't start out like something we were like. Uh, okay, we're gonna try to do with like we did market research. It wasn't like that, you know. Like we um didn't look for a niche or didn't look for anything. We knew Pittston was the, you know, the, were the tomato quality capital of the world. Right. So like you need something, every town needs something. And it would just be like, okay, let's make something fun from Pittston tomato based. Um, that, you know, isn't pretentious. There's like a million uh, sauces out like, uh, tomato sauces and pizza sauces and stuff like that out there, which is fine. But, you know, like we said, okay, let's just make, uh, uh, you know, something fun. Pittston related, you know, so obviously we have to go with tomatoes. So, you know, that's kind of where, where everything comes. It didn't come from like a sales perspective or a market perspective or anything else other than just like the curiosity of making something in our town. And, and that was kind of it, you know, like as far as the business itself. So we just said like, okay, let's, let's try it. Okay. What, what do you have to do then? So there's like, you have to basically think about a, a, an item that you see in the store. And it's like, what do you have to do to make, make that a reality? You know, um, there's a lot of steps involved, it turns out. So we just thought we would make it twice a year, you know, something around the holidays, you know, and be a really fun novelty. Um, and then we actually got into it and started making it. Um, and we had a release. Um, we were blown away by the response, really, just from um, uh, the point that we were ex really expecting, like an onslaught of just negativity. You know, that's honestly what we thought would happen. Like people would just be like, "This is ridiculous. What are you guys <laughs> thinking?" You know, um, and you know, we would sell it twice a year. You know, um, but then like. People started buying it. Uh, uh, people started reaching out to us. Restaurants started reaching out to us. Grocery stores started reaching out to us. And then I was like, okay, now we have to, now we're, we didn't really try to start a business, you know, but now we had, then we had one all of a sudden, you know, it wasn't anything like, you know, it's not anything still crazy, but it was something that we weren't expecting to start a business in the traditional sense where now you have to, you know, worry about sales and marketing and uh, other things like that. Um, or they become factors, you know, so pretty neat, you know, as far as that went. It's really cool. I mean, this area in general, I think they love to be part of something. So when you, you know, put out the Pittston Ketchup Company, I mean, people are proud to be, you know, from this area uh, for the most part. I mean, there are definitely uh, instances where, yeah, you look on the news and you're like, oh man, like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> these people exist here, but I'm pretty sure they probably exist everywhere. Um, but I mean, oh, people, right. 
people are like really pumped to like, you know, be part of something and call it their own. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm not surprised at all that, you know, uh, launching the Pittston Ketchup Company was uh, a big hit. Well, you know, that's, I don't know, like we did, we, we expected the negativity just because, you know, that's, that's what we're used to. But I, I guess I'm of the same mindset, you know, like if you're not going to, you know, you don't have to start a business or do something remarkable or try to do something or anything. If you're just a regular person, right? But if you're a type of person who's putting something down without trying to do anything better, like the area really comes to mind. A lot of people are, you know, oh, this area sucks or whatever. And it's like, okay, so then what are you doing to try to make it any better? Or, you know, or do you just go around and tell people that it's a terrible place to be, you know? So if you're not going to do something better, then it's like, just shut up. You know, right. or if you're not going to do something or just be a regular person to just kind of keep your mouth shut, you know? Yeah. My uh, screen just went away. There we go. Yeah, that happens to this one too. My, right? my wife has so much stuff on here, like for her work, and it just disappeared. So I apologize. That's fine. But yeah, I mean, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, it's constantly with the negativity and it's like, what are you doing to make things better? And they just rather sit home on the couch and call uh, Talkback 16 and, and, uh, (laughs) which is my favorite part. It's a lot easier, man, because it makes, it makes people feel better about their own failures or their own times where they've tried. It's a lot easier to take somebody down uh, than to say, man, way to go, or that's awesome or whatever. So um, we were just really happy with the response of it and stuff like that, you know? So it was like, now we have a business on our hands, guys, you know, like, let's, let's, uh, you know, we have to do it the right way. You know, that was basically it. We had to do it the right way. And you mentioned there's a lot of steps involved to get to, you know, where you are today. What, what are some of those steps? Well, so just just the production of a food product in general. Um, so we, we just sort of find out basically from Pennsylvania what we had to do. So it was a lot of research, you know. So um, what do you have to do to make a tomato-based sauce, uh, whatever it is, you know. Um, so we started at the state, you know. We started out how what we had to do to make it safe was, was the biggest thing. Like we didn't want to put anything out there that was going to get somebody sick or, you know, like that was our number one priority in selling this to the public was like, we don't want to get anybody sick. So it turns out tomato-based products in themselves, um, tomatoes are acidic. So the acid helps basically kill off any kind of bacteria that would really get you sick. Although there still is the risk, you know, if something was to go, uh, you know, go wrong. So you have to make sure first that you're not going to get people sick. So it was like we had to find out what the FDA's regulations were. Um, and since we don't have, um, our pH is low. It's a lot, like a lot of it is like dry kind of scientific stuff that um, I kind of had a background in some of it. Um, but a lot of it, I didn't, you know, so we had to learn the parts that, you know, we didn't like packaging, right? Like we had to find bottles. No one wants to deal with a guy who wants to buy 750 bottles. You know what right, I mean? Yeah. They want to sell you a truckload of bottles. They don't care how cute you are. They're like, <laughs> listen, we want to sell you a million bottles, guy. Um, so for you need to find a supplier who wants to deal with you like that. And then the cap, 
you know, the flip top cap, you know, um, the little tin foil seal that you have to peel off. That's called induction sealing. Um, you know, labeling, yeah. what you have to put on the label, um, what, what you're required to put on the label and what you can say. That was, then we learned about food labeling and it's just like, it's the wild west, basically. It's like, I'm not going to say that you could say whatever you want, but you could basically say whatever you want. Like there's, there's really no, um, you know, uh, basically there's a lot of liberty, what you could say on the, uh, like, uh, like the word local when it comes to food, right? Like what is local? Like some people will consider New Jersey local. It's two hours away, you know? Right. Um, and that is, that's a, that would be considered a local market if you're considered for something. But, you know, if you're considered local, is it like Pittston versus 44? You know, like how local does it need to be before it isn't local? You know, right. how homemade does it need to be before it's not homemade? Um, you know, so just like all of those things, there was like so many little bits of information. And then you have the whole business side of it, right? The accounting. And the the cost, how you you know you have to like put a cost to it, figure out how much it costs, um, taxes, insurances, stuff like that. Now I'm the business guy, okay. So I'm like the guy who uh, I'm I'm the business guy, and it's not I'm not the numbers guy. Corey's the numbers guy. Uh, AJ Sanguidolci is our other uh, core partner. He's our logistics man and uh, production and stuff like that. We all do the production together. And Chris Carmody is our other uh, fourth man. Um, Chris helps in production and stuff like that too. So, you know, there's really a lot of us. It's not just me who, do, you know, who does it by any stretch of the imagination. Like I had the idea, but if it was just all ideas, man, like me, like we never would have done it. You know, right. <laughs> we, wouldn't have, we wouldn't have got one bottle made if it was just all up to me, <laughs> you know, to be totally honest with you. Um, well, yeah, well, that's why people, you know, specialize in those different uh, sectors, right? That's exactly right. You know, so, and being a business guy, that's, I know that, like, I, you know, you need the people to complement your areas where, you, you know, you're not good at. It's just, I'm not a numbers guy, you know, I yeah. couldn't figure that stuff out, you know. So there was a lot of things like to do just to try to do something, but that was part of it. We wanted to do it also to, to be able to show people that you can do it. You know, you hear a lot like, oh man, you can't start a business because of X, Y, and Z. It's like, well, you can, you know. Yeah, they don't make it easy for you, but you can do it. Yeah, I mean, there was no one who really made it hard for us except for the, the um, just the access to the information. Right. You know, where to search for it. You know, like, how, how would you even start, you know? Uh, searching for it, like the bottles that we use, we use a method of filling our bottles. It's called hot filling. Uh, so we fill over 185 degrees. The ketchup is actually over 185 degrees when it goes into the bottle. Um, so it essentially uh, does two things. It, it kind of pasteurizes. It comes up to that temperature past it, in fact. Um, and it sanitizes the enclosure. Uh, so like, I mean, they're clean. You know, they come from an environment where they're you know, they're on a manufacturing line, 
packaged and sealed, and then we're putting ketchup in them. So it's not like there's any kind of, it's not like they're just sitting on a rack somewhere. But the hot fill method does that. So there's just different kinds of plastic that are suitable for hot fill and certain that aren't. So like, how would you even know that? Right. You know, so like until you find all these little pieces, they're all, you know, out there separately. So that was the hardest part, finding the information. Um, and then I just happened to be lucky that my wife is a really good designer and has access to all those people and understands that and is able to help us with the website and help us with, mar- you know, she understands marketing. You know, that's, I went to Penn State, did the business with the marketing management option. And, um, you know, so like I knew the four P's when they were popular in the 2000s. But, you know, when the, the internet changed all that, right. as far as like social media and stuff like that, you know, so uh, there was a lot of other things that we already had a leg up on, you know, going into this too, you know. Um, you know, so... Yeah, there was, it wasn't, nobody, there was no, I think, agency or anything that was really making it hard for us other than the fact that like the information out there, it's out there, but it's scattered and there's a lot of it. So you have to wade through a lot of it. It's like, you know, going on YouTube and typing in how to tune a violin. You know, there's a lot of videos out there. Some of them are good and some of them are bad. So, you know, unfortunately that was the same thing. But that was another reason why we started doing this too is now... If some person was to come to me tomorrow and say, well, Amos, my granddad's sauce is really great and I want to put it in a jar. I could literally tell them how to spend their first dollar. Right. And offer them a, an actually a solution that is 100% from beginning to end. We could take it through every single step of the process. And there's not one place in America that will do that for you right now that will take you through every step. Like you could go and get a label made from a guy from a, you know, but you're still gonna have to deal with, you know, all of those different people and through all of those different steps. Um, so th- that was, that was some of the loftier kind of ideas that we were thinking about as, as a business inside of just let's make a ketchup company. So it, like, it goes like way, you know, like the way beyond just ketchup, you know, like right. it was nice since we never intended to do that it's all these other ideas like we thought of like okay well we could if we did that then we could do these things um and help other people along the way if they want to do that or something like that you know so we thought about maybe doing manufacturing you know helping people out with that like we have the equipment now to to jar you know put stuff into bottles basically yeah so we that was my next question. I mean, as far as initially when you started, it was, you know, let's do this twice a year. I mean, what kind of facility did you have at that point? And, you know, has it gone from that to a different size facility or are you kind of in the same, same space? So, yeah, we're in the same space. Um, so also in this area too, we use the Carbondale Technology Transfer Center, which is an incubator kitchen. Um, the, just the incubator space you know, in Wilkes-Barre, we've had the uh, the the, the de- development center and a couple other incubator type um, things. But they're more centered around tech um, mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, where the one in Carbondale is, it has a kitchen, an industrial kitchen, and it has uh, light manufacturing space and stuff like that. So it's more centered around production. Um, 
of hard goods and services too. There's some tech services up there and stuff like that. But it's, you know, there's a guy who makes guitar strings. Like they, there's a guy who makes cutting boards. There's a guy who brews beer. Uh, there's a guy, uh, there's a spice guy. There's a cookie lady. Um, there's a, uh, a meal home delivery service, you know? So there's like a lot of different businesses exist in that same space. Um, and it's a great resource, you know, so it, it's for rent. So we rent it out by the hour of the kitchen. And we bought our own specific equipment, like a filling machine uh, that allows us to be able to uh, fill the bottles. It's, you know, once the, once the ketchup is in the, you know, it never touches our hand. It goes from the containers into the cooking vessel, from the cooking vessel into the bottles, you know. So um, that allowed us to you know, we didn't have to invest in a commercial kitchen, you know, like a lot of that stuff wouldn't have been possible. You know, we tried, we're using a restaurant, like, you know, I got buddies, you know, restaurants and stuff like that. You know, you try to like get in there on a Sunday or something like that, but it just, it doesn't work out. You know, like you need, you need some space, like whether, you know, you could have an arrangement with somebody and if it works and you could come up with a schedule and that's fine. And, you know, there are probably are people who do that, but, we were not able to do that. It just didn't work. And it was a lot easier just to have, hey, we rent this space for these hours versus like, hey, can we get in on Sunday? Like, you know, right, it was just yeah. like, uh, it, it, was, it was a much better arrangement. So having that, um, the Carbondale Technology Transfer Center was a great resource. And we're still currently there um, until we go to the next step, which would be to have somebody... Do actually do the manufacturing for us. So right now we do our manufacturing and our distribution. So we still are 100% um, vertically integrated. <laughs> uh, um, it's a dirty rock thing. I was thinking about uh, <laughs> Jack Donaghy. You know, I guess the show's been off off the air for a lot of years now. Yeah. You know, but, um, so, so is yeah, this is this your full time gig then, or no, no, it is not. So, so it's like, like a, that, it's like a hobby. Yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, you know, it, no, not even a hobby. Like it's it's an actual business. You know, it, it's uh, self sustaining, and right. um, you know, it it uh, it's able to pay for itself one hundred percent, and um, you know, so there's no cost of us coming out of it, and we're able to since we all work full time. Uh, Corey actually owns his own financial wealth management company over in Wilkes-Barre. Uh, Chris works at the Wyoming Valley Sewer Authority, and AJ is a teacher at Pitsenaria. Um, and full time, I work as a project manager and estimator for a commercial flooring company. Oh, cool! So, yeah, but. Honestly, if we had to like be paying our cell phone bills and Corey's four kids tuition with the ketchup company, like it definitely, you know, we don't depend on it for our regular income, you know, so it's right. not something that, you know, because, you know, just it wasn't, you know, like, at, especially at that scale, you know, it's too hard. You've been in sales, you know, our product costs $4.50, or I'm sorry, our product costs $3.99, like, you know, bottles of ketchup, you'd have to sell to be a millionaire. Like right. people will say that to me all the time. Like, oh, Amos, we saw you in, in Wegmans. Like you, you must be getting ready to retire now. It's like, no guy, you got to realize like how many, you know, like it, it's just, it's a, it's a numbers game at this point. Um, so that's why we, we, you know, to go to this next level, we have to have somebody start producing it for us. Right. Um, just Let's, because there's no, there's no way to do it. Cause we don't want to do it for the next 10 years, every Saturday for the rest of our lives. You know, like 
that's not what we try to do. That's not, that was never the intention for it. So in order for us to grow, get into more stores, uh, we need somebody, you know, take the production off our hands, you know? Yeah. Talk a little bit about that. The fact that you're in those stores, um, you know, what's the process of that? Like, um, cause that's, I mean, people see that and they're like, Oh man, these guys are legit. They're not just like, a, you know, a couple, you know, uh, yeah. Like we've moved past and I, I don't want to even say it, but we've moved past the circuit where we're selling it directly in front of people. Like we have like behind us, it's like here and we're like standing there selling it. Like we moved past that point, you know, um, because, you know, it was, you know, we, we never we didn't want to do that. We didn't want to get into the circuit and, you know, start going to events and selling things like that. You know, it was fun. We did a couple of them uh, in the beginning, but, you know, we knew right away, like if it's going to be a real business in, in the terms that, you know, it could um, provide jobs for people, then it needs to be something that we had to grow in a way where, you know, we were able to manage the growth and we were able to get into grocery stores, like retail. It's like, it's all well and good to be at, at some uh, restaurants, some really nice restaurants. And we are we're like a half dozen really nice restaurants. Um, but you know, when the restaurants are ordering, like they're not, because we still do the distribution ourselves, they don't order their, you know, seafood and then their paper supplies and sundries and then their meat and then their ketchup. Like right. they order all of that stuff at one shot from, you know, mains or whoever they're dealing with, or maybe two or three purveyors. So it, until we get like with a shifts or something like that, um, food service was not our goal. So to get into grocery stores, basically, Wegmans approached us, which was the well, really, really cool thing because like Wegmans is an amazing store. Let's yeah. face it. Yeah. Everywhere. It's not like, you know, we just have one in Wilkes-Barre and we think it's good. It's like, no, everywhere that they have a Wegmans, everyone's like, Wegmans is awesome. Right. So when they actually approached us at one of those fairs where we were selling to people, um, you know, it, it was a crazy time. We were actually at, um, we were up in Scranton at the holiday show. And just, just the way that it happened was too crazy. I just realized if I try to tell it now, it just wouldn't, sound that awesome. And I would sound like I was a jerk, but so I'm not going to. Okay. So um, that's how uh, Wegmans approached us and Garrity's. Um, we kind of just asked them, uh, where Shields, uh, Shields and uh, Parsons have, we asked them and for ketchup. So this was one thing that we didn't know going in. Um, at every step of the way you go, you know, from, from the craft fairs to the boutique re retail shops, which was like our first taste into retail. We went from like doing these kind of like in front of people sales to like the Chick Chick Marketplace was the first awesome little retail place that picked us up and they still have us. They're still our best champions. Um, they are like really like were the ones that was like, hey, we're going to pick this up and sell it. And it was great. And it still sells there really well. And the Chick Chicks are great. And then we got into a couple other small retail places like that. So that's kind of like where we saw the path to grocery stores, you know, from like standing in front of people to getting in front of grocery stores. Um, and at every step of the process, you know, you lose a little bit of control. So when we got into grocery stores, we didn't know 
it's not competitive. It's not a competitive place to be on, in the ketchup aisle. Like there's Heinz, right? That's it. You got Hunt's, right. French's, a couple other sub brands, the store brand. And then you got the value time all the way down the bottom. And um, but, so it's not competitive from, or like chips. You know, you try to get into the chip aisle, like the laugh you're right out of the store, you know, because <laughs> it's super competitive and the margins are really tight. The bread aisle, jelly, milk, ice cream, candy, cookies, pickles, barbecue sauce, a hot sauce, mustard. You go to Gary's, there's 25 different brands of mustard. That's not yeah. varieties, man. That's brands. There's literally four brands of ketchup. So for these guys to give us a little bit of space, um, they didn't charge us any money for us. Like uh, we're in, you know, you go to a, you know, with, with the yogurt or something like that. Yeah. It's competitive and they're going to want to charge you for that space because it's valuable to them. So for the restaurants or for the grocery stores, it, it was, uh, it didn't really matter, you know? So, you know, so that's kind of like, we had that going for us. So that was one of those things that we didn't know going into this, you know, we didn't do market research to find that out. You know, we just, it was like a little happy accident that happened in the way, you know? I love that too, because that, I mean, I went to school for marketing and all that kind of stuff. And it just, the market research and all these, it just sounds like a big pain in the butt. <laughs> I mean, listen, and all that stuff costs money and time. Yeah. You know, if if you're going to do it right and it's like, uh, you know, we wouldn't have, you know, there's not one market research firm in the world that would probably tell you to open up a ketchup company. Right. But like, there's definitely a good dozen ketchup companies out there, like smaller ketchup companies. <clears throat> one of the most uh, successful ones actually got picked up by Unilever, which owns Hellman's. Uh, you know, it was over a billion dollar deal. It was crazy. And these guys were a ketchup company in New York that, you know, w was basically venture capital, you know, had a bunch of guys, raised a bunch of money, hiring all over the country. All of a sudden, Unilever picked them up, you know. Um, you know, so it, there's a lot of money in the food space that exists out there. You know, it's a huge, huge, huge industry that you know it's and there's a ton of huge players and there's a ton of mid-level players in there that have real big dollars to spend you know and it's uh so th they're out there there's other companies like that you know and, and i think that it's just um it also reflects how people are spending and buying now whether they are you know interested in what's in the ingredients now people are more conscious of where the food's coming from yeah what's in it who's making it what's the impact of it you know so all of those things uh you know people are looking to identify like you said earlier people look to identify with things now in general you know your toaster used to just make toast now it makes your life easier yeah you know so it's uh it's you you know it's gone past utility to something else. So there's room for a, a small ketchup company from Pittston all of a sudden, you know. Yeah. And what would you say makes your ketchup stand out from others? I mean, as far as the flavor profile goes, it's just it's a lot more. I like to call it realistic. Um, it's a real food product. You know, it behaves like real food. At room temperature, it's a little thinner. 
when you put it into the refrigerator, it thickens up. Kind of like your tomato sauce that you make on a Sunday. Um, so it has more real tomato flavor and it has um, uh, the balance of it because of the way that we cook it. Um, we cook it in an open kettle, which is allows the steam to evaporate and really develop the sugar and the tomatoes. So since tomatoes are naturally sweet um, and cooking them in an open kettle allows us to draw more of that sweetness, we don't have to add in as much vinegar. And as a result, we don't have to add in as much actual sugar. So in addition to there being... Um, uh, in addition to being low sodium and a low sugar product, we also have a little bit of cayenne pepper. So kind of just a tiniest little bit of tang in there. Not enough to call it spicy. That's a whole thing. Like we have a, we actually have a spicy ketchup. Um, you can't call it spicy if it doesn't completely melt your face. Because if you call it spicy and somebody eats spicy food and he's not like, this yeah. isn't spicy. I'm like, all right, guy, again, I like, whether it's spicy or not, like... But my dad's like, oh, too spicy for me. So for some people, kids, we noticed kids, like certain kids will be like, you know, it's amazing watching kids try something because they haven't, they haven't figured out how to lie as well as we have, like right. instantly. Right. It's like you see their face right away and you know, like whether it's true or not. Right. Um, and we find a lot of kids like it, you know. Uh, because it is still sweet, you know, so there's less vinegar. So it allows it to also be more versatile too. So you could use it in ways that you wouldn't really use um, ketchup before because of all the vinegar that ketchup has. So it really cuts through in recipes. That's why a lot of chefs, you know, it, it doesn't get a lot of credit. But think about the food or the item. There are not many items that have been so commercially successful that have so many different flavor profiles. You know, there's sweet and there's salty. There's the tang from the vinegar. Uh, there's the heat uh, from the cayenne. There's allspice and nutmeg, really savory kind of flavors. And then, you know, you have the umami for the fancy cook guys, you know, who are really into it. That's a thing. So there are not many foods that have that many different things going on that are that success or I don't always say su successful because ketchup as we know it has become a commodity product where it's you know dumped onto the most unhealthy foods you know it's not associated with like a super you know fit lifestyle <laughs> you know it's right. not like there's a you know ketchup models and milk models. I don't know you know <laughs> um so that's kind of what makes it different you know and then our story you know um we can't pretend that's that's not a part of it, you know, the story, um, how we present it, uh, how we present, you know, the way our bottle looks, our label and stuff like that. Like it all tells a story, you know, and that's actually, we just redesigned our label. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. We just redesigned our label. Um, totally new look. Um, it, it's some some of that was to accommodate the upcoming change to a, a, a larger production to increase our production uh, capacities just in working with uh, with a co-packer co-packer somebody who will make you product for you which is a whole other world in itself too it's like a crazy crazy ordeal you know just learning about these things you know so we're prepared now to make some of those changes you know so uh, you know, and that's, that's, that's part of it. That's what makes it different. All 
ties them together. You know, somebody could identify with it in more than one way. You know, they could be really into food. They could really like the taste of it. They could like the way that it looks, you know. Um, that's where we're at. Now, is that out yet? The, the new uh, label? It's not out yet. No, okay. because we're still working on a couple of... Uh, a couple of details on the top um, on the top label. I'm kind of looking for a bottle here. I should have had one, but I don't. Um, yeah, we're working on a few more a, a few more parts of it. So we didn't didn't That's want cool. to release it just yet. Too, we wanted to be 100 percent ready with it because, like, we didn't have the luxury of like being able to because we're in stores. Like we. It, it's already the way that it is um, as far as the nutrition label and stuff like that. So we, we didn't have the, the luxury of basically having, you know, to introduce it. Now we have to introduce it as the line's already running. So, you know, we have to do some more marketing and stuff like that. But it's also going to allow us to come out with our spicy version. Um, you know, and it's kind of like, uh, you know, it's, Corey likes to say that like, you know, Lay's potato chips... They have a hundred different flavors, you know, every summer because they want people just to buy them. Like, right. you know, they're still going to have the regular ones, but like that's part of it is to, is to kind of refreshing it. You know what I mean? Get people out there, get it used to. And then um, to broaden our appeal a little bit past just being um, a very, very centric to the area, you know, n- Northeastern Pennsylvania, you know, we want to, because it really is about the whole area. It wasn't really just about Pittston. You know, when you look into the lore of how Pittston became the tomato quality capital of the world, um, you know, it was it was more than just that. So in, you know, trying to get to some of these other markets, we have to kind of broaden our appeal a little bit. So we had to redesign certain elements of our label to kind of reflect that, you know. I'm excited for that too, because like, I mean, I think what you're saying too is there's not a lot of ketchups, right. That are on the shelf. And I'm the type of guy, this is just me. I don't know how other people work, but, uh, I'm not really loyal to a lot of different things as far as, you know, what I use, whether it's ketchup or even beer. Um, uh, even like, you know, shower items like body wash. Sure. Um, I kind of look at, you know, packaging and that looks cool. And then that might prompt me to, you know, look into the more about their story and kind of like, you know, get a connection to them that way. Um, so mm. I think, you know, what you're saying is you're having a, a, a you know, cool, t- cool logo and, and, and kind of making sure that that's on point is, uh, is, is neat. Yeah. We're actually, uh, with this one, we, uh, worked with a local, um, artist too, to do our lettering for us, you know, to really, really, be really unique now and really custom and more represent more of the feeling that we wanted to kind of have from the beginning. Um, and it just represents more, I think of what we were trying to go for, you know, with the original styling of it and stuff like that really feel like we pulled it off more. And then now, you know, having a truly unique hand-drawn font now kind of definitely helps us, be really unique now, you know, as far as somebody seeing it, because it's not something you could see somewhere. It's hand drawn, you know, it's one of a kind now. Right. So yeah, we're excited for it. We really are, you know, and that, that took a while, you know, working back and forth with them. Um, just going, you know, changing small little details and stuff. It's, it, it was fun though. It really yeah, was. Yeah. I'm sure it's a pretty cool process to be, a, to, to be a part of. For sure, man. It was. Now, when did you guys start? 2016. 
And, and, and that our, first, year. our first bottle out there was 2015. It took a whole year of research. You know, all this stuff we were kind of like, I was running on about earlier about all the other stuff. That whole process took a year. So we didn't actually get our first bottles out there until 2016. And how many bottles did you do that year? Uh, let's see. The fur we made 750 bottles to start, and then we bought an additional uh, additional 1,500 or 2,000 bottles or something like that. Okay. And then and and then we just went on from there. And then it was like we did one year of um, sales, like direct sales, and then in year two we got into. Um, boutique retail as, as as we would call it like hillside farms we have it up there chick chick marketplace um uh house of nutrition in luzerne um some small places like that so we're still doing this, the 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 craft sales still doing the uh um the smaller boutique retail and then our third year is when we got into um the first store we got into was Shields. That was the first grocery store I talked to because I knew there was two stores. They had the George Ave store and they had the main store, the uh, um, uh, Wilkes-Barre store, South mm-hmm. Wilkes-Barre. So I said, I'm going to go talk to these guys because they're a small grocery store, you know. And, um, and so I went to the Wilkes-Barre store first and he basically, the guy was like, it's not going to sell, man. Um, he said, you know, maybe at the George Ave we'll, we'll carry it. But he's like, it's not going to sell over here. He's like, it's just the, um, I'm going to say the audience, but the demographics of that, of the area in the neighborhood, you know, yeah. it's just like, there's a lot of older folks down there, fixed incomes and stuff like that. And they're used to buying what they're buying, you know, and it's not going to sell. Um, but he was like, yeah, we'll put you in George Ave though. You know, so it was like, Crushing and awesome at the same time. So we're like, we got our first store, you know, our first grocery store. Um, and that was in our third year, you know. So now it's just like, now we're in our fourth year, um, you know, of actual like, you know, we have two years of grocery store sales behind us now. And it was, it's gone really well at the stores. Like once we got into uh, Garrity's, um, that was really big for us. We got into three three or four stores they put us into and they said, we'll see how it goes. And then if it's, you know, starts selling well, we'll put you in the rest of them. And it was selling really well, you know, sustained too. It wasn't like, it was like people came in the first week and bought it and they never bought it again. It was selling, starting to sell, you know? So like, okay, we'll put you in all the stores. And then we got to deal with Wegmans um, in that time frame in there and somewhere. And um, then you know, at the beginning of the year, I think it was like the end of <clears throat> the end of last year. I had a water around here somewhere. Um, the end of last year, we like uh, had a had a meeting and we had a bunch of plans for this year to do. Uh, we were going to roll out our spicy. We had a fun collaboration with the brewery um, planned. We had, um, you know, because when we kind of thought about our ketchup, we had a spicy. We have um, a sweet version, which I like to call the breakfast ketchup. Uh, we have an old world style tomato relish, a cocktail sauce. Um, a, we worked on a Bloody Mary mix. Oh, wow. Um, 
you know, so we have a couple of the products out there. And this year we're gonna we were gonna do a couple different things, but it just completely changed. You know, all our plans changed this year just in a way that, you know, um was something that you know you couldn't prepare for, obviously. Um so it was we weren't able to do it. So we kinda like pause this year and then right. jump into it next year, you know, or whenever, you know, like because a big part of our uh, um a big part of our strategy in the stores is doing samplings, right? Having, talking to people about it. And it's unbelievable when we do the stores that we've done samplings at, like outsell the other stores that we haven't done samplings at two to one, you know? And there's one Garrity's location that we have that's a similar demographic to the Shields in South Wilkes-Barre. And... I completely understand now because there's one location at Garrity's where it just doesn't really sell. You know, it doesn't sell well. Right. Um, just because the demographics in the area, you know, so it was, it was really interesting. And as far as the tastings go, is it just like a, a toothpick? Uh, you know, where, no, how does it you work? Know, so like um, uh, some stores, if we have access and it's right, uh, I'll make tater tots. Okay. Um, I feel like that's a good thing. But uh, my favorite way to taste it with uh without you know like we have little spoons some people will try it in a little spoon and that's fine uh but unsalted potato chips actually make the perfect ketchup tasting vehicle because it gives you something to bite and there's no um there's no salt or anything to interfere you know it's kind of a neutral flavor the potato um in itself you know um so that's like kind of our favorite vehicle but that's like when we have a lot of fun with it too you know we talk to people, we get out there. Um, we don't just stand there, you know, we kind of like, we we're interactive with people and we like to, we like to chat them up. You know, we like to, uh, cause you know, we're selling ketchup too. So it's like, it's a fun product. It's not, yeah. uh, you know, it's not something we're, uh, we're crazy. So, <clears throat> excuse me. That's, um, you know, that, that that's a big part of those. Somebody tries it, they buy it, you know, because we don't have the, the the luxury also of being in modern culture like Heinz, you know what I mean? Right. People, you know, people are very serious about ketchup too. It turns out, like, oh there's yeah, that, oh, there's yeah. The people out there that are like, you know, Heinz or die guys. You know what I mean? <laughs> They're like, uh, you know, you have like sometimes you'll tell you like ask somebody if they want a sample or something. They're like, I wouldn't try that if you paid me. You know, it's like, <laughs> all right, all right, bro. Like, <laughs> It's cool. You don't have to try it. You know, I'm not gonna yeah. make you try it. No, it's um, funny though. Like you know, hunts and compared to uh, yeah, Heinz and it, yeah, people getting fights over that. They do, but I'll tell you, Hunts owns thirty percent of the market. Really? Yeah, and it's not. A, that's not a, a small amount of. Uh, it's like they're out there. The Hunts fans are there. They're they're there. And what but is Heinz? Oh, uh, the rest. The rest. Yeah, basically, there's like, you know, 10% of, uh, there's like a very small percentage that's like store brand. And then like, we would be in like the 1% of ketchup, which is right. like Sir Kensington's, the Hatchup Ketchups of the world. Cleveland Ketchup, Cleveland has their own ketchup, turns out. Um, you know, so we would be in that very, very small 1%. But it's a 1% that Heinz realizes is there because Unilever, like I said earlier, bought Sir Kensington's, you know, for over a billion dollars. And they wouldn't have done that if they didn't realize what happened to the beer industry. 
it parallels, you know, the big brewers laughed at the microbrewers for yep. years and years and years and so many years now until they're like, now they're emulating them. Yeah. You know, they're emulating them. They're, they're buying them up. Buying they're them up, yep. Trying to control, you know, the production of hops in South America. You know, it's like, um, you know, it's, um, and there's probably more stuff involved when you get to the supply of maybe cans and things like that. I know cans, uh, aluminum cans for food and the food production thing is a big deal right now. You know, so I can only imagine that's even worse for brewers. But I think that food, uh, big food, as it were, there's a lot of really big players. It's not an industry that was that was um, um, condensed like, say, beer was. There's like a few really huge whales out there and it's just a bunch of other small independent guys where there's a bunch of really big food players still out there, you know, big guys and mid-sized guys, you know, that just it hasn't condensed yet the way that some other industries have, you know? Yeah. As far as marketing goes, I, I didn't get your name out there. Obviously, you, you said that the, you do the tastings, which I, obviously is very effective. Um, outside of that, how do you get the uh, the word out about your products? Um, you know, social media. We have we have social media, but I was always uh, like, you have to have some kind of social media because that's the new dot com or that's the new you know right. that's the new way that you show your business to people um and and you have to know how i don't know it, it was it was a tough way to go at least because you know we didn't we don't have like a budget as far as like we like what we spend our budget on is like um we'll sponsor like the uh pits and sonars buy their uniforms or like 200 bucks to this, uh, you know, drive for whatever, you know what I mean? Like any money that we have that we give to something extra, we basically donate to like, um, those type things like, um, or, you know, kind of keep, so it's like just Facebook, Instagram, Instagram is probably the biggest one because, um, I, and I, I'm 100% aware that Facebook owns Instagram, but I hate Facebook. And I know it's really popular to hate Facebook right now. But let me be, go on the record to say I've hated it long before people hated it. I was basically the first guy to start hating it. And um, I was always like, it was like resistant towards it because I was like, I don't want to do it because likes don't translate to buys, you know, to sales, you know. Um, but they do do a way of, of at least putting your brand out there, getting it out there to people and stuff like that. We have a website, but you know, I mean, how much ketchup have you bought on your life online? Like, do you buy your condiments usually online? No, 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 no one does, you know, like, uh, other than like the guys who don't live here, um, people, uh, we, we do sell a good amount of it online though, you know, yeah. like, um, like this year more than we sold more this year, maybe. So our first year we sold a lot online because that was the, the, that was the rush that everyone that wasn't from here tried it and bought it. And then we didn't sell as much the second and third year online as we did the first year, but this year we sold more than we sold the first year online. And I think it's just because people are home and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and they're spending their money in different ways um, than they were before, maybe. 
And in grocery stores too, well, we're in grocery stores. So um, like there was a two weeks period there where there was like just us on the shelves, maybe us and like fancy time because like some kind of production issue happened or a distribution issue happened where Heinz couldn't get there or the uh, person who sells it. So it was a weird year, you know, as far as that went in grocery stores for us too. So, you know, because we were in there and there was a lot of panic buying going on and stuff like that. So it was just a weird year to be in grocery stores too, you know? Yeah. Do you think you did better this year than previous years or... Yeah, kind of. I mean, uh, yeah, I think I think because we were we we were able to we had um, we keep a little bit of stock. We don't keep too much stock. We keep enough so we could handle a big order. And for us, a big order would be like thirty cases. So you know, we try to keep like fifty to sixty cases in stock because we do deliveries every Friday and stuff like that. So we were able to work off some stock. Um, to have it. And we actually were, we didn't get shut down as far as being a, uh, where a food production didn't get shut down. Right. Um, but we had some stock to get us through like the first couple of months of like, you know, um, of quarantine essentially, you know, to be able to like, you know, kind of get that out. And it, it, yeah. So I'd say this year worked out, um, we sold more this year in grocery stores than we sold last year just because of, I think, people buying it too, you know, just being out there in the stores. Um, and, you know, people are home cooking more, you know, that's yeah. kind of what, what, what it was all about. So um, from a sales perspective, you know, it was like, yeah, it probably was uh, worked out well this year for us, but it's like weird. You, you have, you know, I feel guilty about it. Not guilty, but like, you know. No, I know. It's it's not like something where I'm you know like you want to be like yeah we had a banner year in 2020 you know for sales because I was like it was the same reason why we just didn't do anything else because it was like you know Corey's got four kids AJ's got kids you know what I mean it's like everyone's with their family and stuff like that and there was you know was more important things in our lives going on than like trying to gin up some catch up sales you know what I mean so right. like you know it was just like we just kind of let this year just do its thing you know go by. Yeah, it's it's interesting to see the uh, different um, areas that did really well this year uh, during a pandemic. Obviously, the beer distributors had great years. Sure. Uh, pet food and pet supply companies had great years. Oh, yeah. Um, I work with a guy. He's a sports card um, like shop. He's he was Card? Older. Sports cards? Sports cards, yeah. Oh, wow. Um, he was up... You know, hundred percent year over year. Um, so it's just it, I understand what you're saying when you kind of feel you feel, you feel guilty, but I mean, I guess who doesn't give a shit about being rich? Uh, Jeff Bezos doesn't give a shit. No, no, <laughs> I, he certainly doesn't. Um, so I mean, know. take the wins where you can get them is what I'm saying. Yeah, no, all right. It's a it, it's it's a thing. It's not something to be you know. I I don't lament it, you know, but it's it's. It, w- it won't be on the, on the bulletin, you know, it won't be on the bulletin into the investors in yeah. 2021. <laughs> uh, but that's not, you know, we don't have to worry about any of that stuff anyway. So. Yeah. Well, so what's, what's the future look like for uh pits and ketchup company? We can kind of wrap things up from here. Um, two of those things, I think we would like to, in 2021, we would like to have our spicy version out in the market. So people could buy it. Um, 
And some of the more lofty things would be to establish some of these other ways to help people start a business. So once you realize like, you know, you've done sales, the skills to be an effective salesperson could be translated into management or translated into some other field because of the skills that you acquired, you know, whether it be dealing with people or maybe you're good with numbers or whatever it is, they could, you could translate those into something else. So we would like to be able to just be able to help anyone who wants to start a business through any kind of, uh, um, you know, it doesn't have to be food related even at, at this point. It's like somebody came to me with another idea for business because we're able to navigate so many of these other parts of it. And starting a food related business, you know, it's kind of the same as starting any other business. You just have to find out what you need to do first. So um, we want to be able to help people in a way. Um, maybe we could provide some jobs for people someday in the area, you know. Maybe we could make our own manufacturing facility here. Maybe we could do our own uh, incubator, you know, where we take people in on a smaller level and work with them. You know, if somebody said, hey, I have $150 to spend, you know, I could tell you where to spend the 150 depending on what you want to do, you know, because we've gone through these different levels of it and stuff. Because I know people like um, the, the cookie lady from the Carbondale Technology Transfer Center. She's not interested in having points of sale or being in grocery stores. She only wants to work the circuit, you know, where she's selling to people because there you keep 100% of your profits. You know, there's no right. one else involved. You're not paying a distributor. You're not paying a manufacturer. There's just yourself, you know. So it depends what you want to do, where you want to take it. So that, that's, that's kind of the future, you know, since we didn't really want to start a food business per se. Um, but we knew we wanted to be able to be in a way to not only help people, but kind of tie in some of those other things you mentioned earlier. Give somebody something to identify with outside of just coming from a place that's associated mostly with being unhappy or depression, right? It's like how many times has the valley gone up and down, you know, like the coal, everything left manufacturing and stuff. And, you know, you see these people talking about, uh, you know, for the fourth time in a row, you know, Pennsylvania is the most unhappy place in the world to live. It's like, well, you know, maybe if we could give somebody something to identify with, you know, so those are some of the more lofty kind of things that like, uh, that we like, you know, we would like to be able to do for people in the area, the community, all this because we live here too, you know, yeah. like I live here. No, I mean, I love the story behind it. I, I, I didn't know all this obviously. Um, and I just think it's really great that, you know, how it all happened and also, you know, what you want to do, um, you know, moving forward, especially like, you know, when I say giving back, um, but you know, just realizing that you guys live here and that's what I've always said too. It's like, I, I don't plan on leaving here ever because, I mean, I don't plan on it. I shouldn't say I'll never will. I don't plan on it. My family's here. Um, yeah. All that, all that kind of stuff. Right. And it's, it's comfortable. Right. Sure. Um, so, you know, why not make it the best you can while you're here? Right. Yeah. I mean, right. I mean, why, why not? And it really is a great place. Um, there's a lot of things that, that it has going for it. You know, even the proximity to places, you know, we're two hours away from Philadelphia and New York City. You know what I mean? That's not like being two hours outside of Duluth, Minnesota. Duluth is probably a great place, but yeah. like New York City is New York City. You know, regardless of what people might say and how the tempo of, of it is now, 
is different, you know? It's um you Do you know, think it bounces of, do you think it bounces back? I mean, yeah, definitely. Not not in a capacity you have to think about time, man. You know, it's it's such a small one year, two years. It's so small, you know, yeah. in 10 years. Man, you know, we're of the age when 9-11 happened. Did anybody think that would, you know, did, you know, there were people saying, this is it. New York is done. Like, you know, people are moving out in the thousands after it happened, you know. It's never going to rebound. And it was a different time, but it's just about people and, and how they perceive something. And, um, you know, a number of years went by. Certain things were normalized. Certain changed in certain ways, like you know the policies and politics and everything else. Aside, I'm talking about the city itself. Um, you know, it's a it's a different event, but it's already 20 years ago. So, I think in 20 years, New York is the same or different. I don't want to say better, you know, because I I'm not a perpetual growth guy. I know, like that's that's. That's um, how we kind of view things or how things are viewed through a lens in our country is of a, of a constant growth. Like we talk about things that are in constant, like it's con, like the growth has to be constant for it to be sustainable or for it to be worthy. I was talking about an expansion of something. So, um, you know, do I think it will be... Uh, the same or better or worse, you know, but I know people will return there, you know, for what brought them there originally, you know, yeah. You know, whether it's so. small stores and restaurants and things like that, you know, it's like, you know, I work in commercial, um, I work from commercial flooring company and there were more new, there was almost more new home construction this year. Mm-hmm than there was last year. Actually, there was more new home construction in this area anyway, you know, because so, the whole world exists around the valley. So <laughs> there was more new home construction this year going on than there was last year. And for the same people who were able to open up a restaurant in New York before, maybe they lost some restaurants or whatever. There's like another guy that could open up a restaurant tomorrow, you know, when it's ready or when it's the time, you know, because he's leveraged in a way or he's got enough money or, you know, there's going to be a lot of businesses that go out of business too. And there'll be another guy waiting to open up another business, you know, in that thing, because it's the same people building houses, man. You know, they weren't affected in a way that, that the guy washing the dishes were, was, you know, but, uh, Jimmy from up at Jack's draft house, uh, one of the great restaurants that we're at, um, he's right. And he says that no one cares about the dishwasher. They want to, everybody's going to say, Oh, you know, local this and that, but nobody really cares about that guy. You know, he's the guy that was affected by the restaurant closing. Not that the owner isn't too, because there's a lot of owners that people have have their entire life savings tied up into a place and probably going to go out of business, you know, and it's, uh, but there's nothing that you spend money on as an enterprise um, that's guaranteed. I mean, if you go into any business has the potential to lose money, that's including owning rental properties, that's including 
uh, operating, owning, and running a restaurant. It's not guaranteed. There's no guarantee anywhere out there that you're going to do well or that success is guaranteed or should be. And certain things happen outside of your control all the time that could take that away, like a fire, you know, some act of God or, you know, a random act of something that could take it away the same way this did, you know? So it's unfortunate, but yeah, I don't know. I think, I think it will. I think New York will come back. Yeah, it's it's interesting to think about. It really is. I just, I think people just realize that. I I don't know. I mean, for me, I think it really made people look at how they lived, whether, you know, A, you're, you know, in a city where it's crowded, you're on top of each other. And it just kind of gave you like this, like, you know, just spending a fortune in rent, you know, but like back then, even, you know, during 9-11, you know, you were still, you were going to office buildings for work. Like you, that that was like how you did business. But now, you know, 20 years later, you can do so much remotely. Yeah. You, know, you don't need that office building to get your work done. So it's like, you know, not just living, but also, you know, the business aspect of things too. So I, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I know that, that really changed. Um, and that's going to change as far as people being, you know, in that corporate center, having that that kind of lifestyle, could they do some of that remote now? And yeah, I mean, a certain percentage of the will, you know, the, you could already see companies, I, I think Microsoft or Google or one of the really big tech companies basically said like it's going to be on a flex, permanent flex schedule or some of them have said certain positions will never have to go back into an office. They could do 100% remote work. Um, but I know um, Aaron, she, in a creative uh, environment, that's it's hard to do remote, you know. <laughs> that's why some of the, um, you know, some industries like that could never be outsourced, you know, like design. You can't outsource design. It doesn't matter if you could do it for cheaper somewhere else because you need to be in the room with the person eventually. Like, yeah, okay, you can get a little cutesy logo made by some mope on the internet, but like, you're, if you're going to go through a, a design process with somebody, you need to be able to talk to that person in real time. Doesn't necessarily see them in the same room, but if you're working with a group of people on a large brand, you need some coordination that goes that that you know, you know, if you're laying out multiple slides or multiple designs or whatever, you know, like you need a large space to physically put those things out. Yeah, you know, so there are some industries that you know aren't aren't able to work as well i think you know like that so yeah i mean we'll see yeah time will tell i think people too in general like they they learned that like anything could change in an instant now you know and they kind of looked at how they live and and how what they're spending their money on and and all that kind of stuff so that they're prepared you know if this ever god forbid happens again well that's hopefully they could uh you know hopefully companies to realize that uh you know out of, I think there were a lot of things too in our in the in the work culture that surrounded cities too. The the work hustle, the side hustle, the hustle side side business. Everybody's got a side business. Everybody's hustling. It's a it's a toxic work com, uh, um, environment. You know, culture where you have people wanting to grind. You know, they talk about the grind, working so much. You know, always being available on the weekends and stuff and. So hopefully out of this too, like people realize that that time that they were spending with their families, that 
Yeah. Corey talks about it. He said, he's got kids that are 15, 16 now. He's like, man, I would never have this time to be playing board games with my kids. Like they want to be outside now, you know, like these, yeah. he will never get that time, you know? So hopefully the the whole work culture changes too, you know, where people start working less. Yeah. More, right. more time for family, more time for leisure, you know? So does that drop people into centers because there's more time for arts and entertainment? You know what I mean? Does yeah. does does certain things shift as far as that goes, you know, in cities anyway, you know? Yeah. Let's look for us, you know, we're, we'll still be doing, still be eating good pizza, <laughs> worrying about the Susquehanna River. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How about it? It was close. It was a close one. Crazy. I live in 40 for it. So, you know, it's a... Yeah. So, yeah, you're, you know, it's always a concern. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I'm glad that they were wrong on that because people were... Yeah, of all things, you know, 2020 uh, to end out, end out with, you know. Well, you said you're in Duryea, right? Depending on what's part of Duryea, they get some flooding in the lowlands. Yeah, or... I, if I got flooded where I am, I'd be all in big trouble. Um, but yeah, the, I mean, since those, you know, since the dike was put in after 72, um, you know, that, that backs up and then the, the poor people on, the, on Main Street Duryea kind of get... Yeah. Yeah, so... Yeah, I mean... That's what happens. I guess, man. It's a it's it's, river. It's what people did. It's unfortunate. But I don't want to take any more of your time unless there's more that you want to uh, let people know about. I mean, I've got some musical instruments, but I know you're mostly a music-related uh, podcast, so I made sure to put everything front, front and center. I literally pulled almost every instrument I own down into this room. And and just in like the <laughs> off chance that you're like, oh, Amos, you want to play something on your guitar for us? It's like, well, I didn't, I didn't know that you played. Uh, no. Next time, <laughs> next time, we'll uh, we'll do that. No, I mean, thank you for doing this because you know, you, like you said yeah. this. My focus was to, you know, my show on the radio got put on hiatus. Um, and yeah, I, I, I was heard about that, and it was uh, it was crazy. Yeah, so um, I still wanted to have a connection to the local music scene. And this is the the best way I, I could figure out how, you know, so I definitely want to, you know, be a platform for artists to kind of, you know, um, talk about their music and, and all that kind of stuff. But I also wanted to branch out and talk to, you know, business owners and guys like you that are doing really cool things and, and kind of give a platform for you to, to tell your story, because I think it's a great story. I think it, you know, people who hear about it would, you know, even get on board more so than they were already in general, or maybe they learn something new and, sure. you know, it helps out the, the, the overall cause. Cause again, um, I want this area to move forward and succeed and, and be a place that people are proud to, to call home. So, um, that gets done with, um, you know, people like you. So thank you for what you guys do. Yeah, um, thanks, and I hope that I can contribute um, in some kind of capacity to. No, I think I, what you're doing, I think is right. You know, because it's a, uh, it's if we live here together, it, it's a communal effort. Uh, you know, in, in the 90s, when restaurants failed around here, they failed because they weren't working together. You know, they all talked about each other's place. Yeah. Put, you know, everybody put each other down, you know, and then they all failed together, you know. But like all the chefs that I know around here now, the younger guys, like, you know, mid 40s and younger, maybe, maybe there's a couple of guys in their 50s, like in on it too or whatever. But, you know, they support each other. They go to one another's places. They promote each other's businesses, you know, and they all seem to be doing well together, you know? So yeah. 
hopefully they could they could bounce back. So it does take a whole group of guys, including people like yourself too, to be able to give people like me and other people who normally wouldn't have an access to, you know, people who are listening to you, you know, to, to hear what I'm saying. So, you know, thank you. Cool, man. Well, thank you again. Uh, looking forward to 2021 and that spicy ketchup. Yep. <laughs> we'll have to get you a bottle then um, once we come out, you know, with the spicy, we'll send you a two pack so you can get, yeah. get the full experience, you know? Sweet. Yeah. And then uh, at that point, maybe we can jump on again. We'll see where we're at and then you can play it too. Sure, man. That'd be great. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Awesome, man. Well, thanks so much. Uh, thanks for doing this and uh, happy new year. Um, yes, sir. Thank you. Happy new year to you too. Here's to a better 2021, right? That's it. All right, man. Thanks. All right. See you later. See ya.